So I think we were left with a few issues after last time, weren't we? We yeah. were, and I'll refer back to them now. Is that your ledger there? That's my ledger. It's just here. Where? Just here in front of me. Uh, right in front of me, just here. Just tapping it there. The first item, something that we uh, needed to discuss, was Tom Bowler. Not, as we initially suspected, anything to do with uh, Doctor Who. What are the differences between a Tom Bowler and a raffle? What is a Tom Bowler? Well, a Tom Bowler essentially is a raffle, but the Tom Bowler itself is the container into which all the tickets are placed and then later drawn from to decide the winners. Confusing. It is, it is. I wish people would settle on one word. Second of all, which armed force has the most fetching uniform of the 20th century? I basically went for the Norwegian Air Force on a whim. I've since looked at their uniform. It looks pretty much pretty standard, really, just blue. Standard Air Force. If anything, it looks slightly more like a conventional commercial airline. He does. He looked a bit like an airline pilot, that guy on the front bit. Um, but it's fetching nonetheless. And the third item is, was there a sequel to Tom Selleck's masterpiece, Quigley Down Under, otherwise known as simply Quigley in Australia? Um, no. And I believe you had got it confused with another of his um, great series of films. What was it? Jesse Stone. Jesse Stone. Who is Jesse Stone? Apparently he's an L.A. cop. Right. Have you seen any of the films? No. So but we don't know if we could call him a maverick or not. No, but he probably is. He's Tom Selleck. He's got a tash. He must be. It, it was on the, in the video shop. I didn't know. I just saw Tom Selleck with a tash and assumed it was Quigley. I don't know why. It's or, a ridiculous assumption. Or a third in the instalment of the three men and uh, Quigley. Problem. Three men and the Quigley. It kind of brings us on to a subject I'd like to touch on. Because... Quigley Down Under is a western set in Australia. Yep. But what about westerns in America, or more sort of accurately, just westerns? Well, I don't necessarily want to discuss westerns themselves, but I have found out that the American audience is our biggest audience. Our biggest audience. Exactly right. Of our millions of downloaders every month, the majority of them are from the US of A. Wow. Yeah. I would never have thought it, because we're pretty... um... Eurocentric. We talk about Eurovision quite a lot. We have done, yes. What's our other famous um, subject? Bond. Bond. That that's definitely crosses the pond, doesn't it? It does. Remember James Bond, actually? <laughs> the Mega Drive game. <laughs> it was James Bond. Um, <laughs> oh, was it? First one was James Bond. And the next then second one was James Bond 2, Agent something, was it? Something like that. This, that's got to be Ledger. Ledger it. James Bond. Wow. <laughs> and... Oh, well, actually, to to make sure that we're uh, keeping in touch with our American audience, I should call that the Sega Genesis, not the Mega Drive. That's cr- quite that's, accurate. That's the American name for it. But yeah, so realising then that most of our listeners, or the majority of our listeners, are American, I thought it was only fair to actually talk about the subject from our perspective, the subject being their country. Okay, that sounds highly appropriate to me. Although difficult, because we, like you say, we are very Eurocentric. We are, and my knowledge of America is basically derived from alien films. I assume everyone from America goes around saying, stay frosty, people, and, <laughs> um, and creating alien life form based super soldiers. It is a bit like that, though. Really? It? Yeah. You've been, or is that mainly California that I'm thinking of? <laughs> I think that's LA. Okay. And uh, yeah, I've I lie, of course. I've been to America, but I've been to quite a different party. You've been to the West Coast. That's correct. And I've been to New York. Where's that? It's um, in New York State. Is that next to New York? 
It is New York. That's oh, right. my feeble attempt at a New York accent. That's quite an interesting link, because we both met in Old York. That's right. So, Look, can, we, can we just call it York? Well, it's the original. It's the original York, so it doesn't need to be defined by its reference to New York. It's not a crisp. It's not York, colon, the original. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so you've got an East Coast slant. I have. And I've got a West Coast slant. Yeah. Which gravitationally pull us together. It does. Does that mean we have to start shooting each other? No, because we're not rappers. Okay. And I... And I don't know my rappers well enough to know which ones are from the East and West Coast. <laughs> Nor do I. But it does I seem that there's an awful lot of collaboration going on nowadays and that they're all good mates. Yeah, there's no beef anymore between them. Is that because all the bad rappers are dead? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> enough about it. I, I mean, Snoop Dogg's still alive, so not all the bad rappers are dead. <laughs> Where's Will, Will Smith be? I would guess he's more New York-based. Where's Philadelphia? Philadelphia's near New York, I think, on the East Coast. So that's a long way away from... You need a map of America. It's a long way away from Bel Air, isn't it? That's where he was sent from, though, wasn't it? Yeah, Philadelphia is where he was. He was born and raised on the playground he used to spend most of his days. Yeah, that's right. And then he went... Playing b-ball, wasn't it? Outside of the school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell the whole story. You've probably seen it. But then he moves to Bel Air, which is in LA, isn't it? He goes by a taxi as well, if you have any credits or anything to go by. And the guys... That's millions of... That's three miles million miles. miles. It's not a galaxy far, far <laughs> away. But it's an awful long way. It's a continent, basically. Yeah. That's like getting a taxi from Moscow to London. Which is not that far. <laughs> 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 I like the way you look at it. Right, okay. I pondered that for using, about 10 seconds. Using my geography generator in my head. <laughs> Plus, you'd have to go over the sea. <laughs> I meant distance-wise, not not in terms of, you know, roads. You could say it's the distance between London and the stratosphere. <laughs> really? I don't know. What are your overall impressions of America, then, from your visit? Because you did spend quite a while there. I went there for five weeks, and... Did a road trip up the West Coast, and I really liked small town America. Right. Because we're so used in Britain to everything being tightly compact and compressed, and everyone being on everyone's toes all the time. Mm. To then go somewhere where you have to drive a considerable distance to get to the next conurbation. <laughs> Good use. <laughs> you know that way, didn't you? <laughs> I like that. Didn't see that one coming in. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> GCSE geography did me proud. Yeah, I like the fact that everything's a bit more spread out and you're not treading on each other's toes. Plus, you get the wide open roads and there's no, it's not all the traffic. You can't go from A to B in this country without getting stuck in traffic or or whatever. It's a bit, it's not as nice. But we haven't got as much road available. No, we have land. I think one of the highlights is the friendliness of the people. When I went to New York, which obviously I didn't get anywhere near that sort of small town experience that you've got of driving. I just got people all over the place 24 hours a day. Tell an American cliche. Oh, no. no. Talk about pantyhose. I had a hot dog from a hot dog vendor in Central Park. That was good. Do you enjoy it? Tasty. Small, though. Small. Fairly small, yeah. A little little wiener. You know you have a hot dog. In this country, a hot dog is a specific type of sausage. Yeah. And the ones in New York, they were they had hot dogs, which were small, and then they had hot sausages, which are essentially just a hot dog, but bigger. Oh. 
the more the sort of size of a jumbo sausage you get from a chippy. And it was just like a big hot dog. And I still can, to me, it was still a hot dog. It's the type of sausage rather than the size of it that determined what it was called. I would always call like a sausage in a in a bun or a bap or whatever you want to call it, a hot dog, whatever type of sausage it is. But you'd over here, you've got the hot sausage company, which do like proper sort of normal sausages, don't they? Like Lincolnshire pork sausages yeah. in a bun. And then you've got hot dogs that are like that, Frankfurt. Yeah. Yeah, the hot dog style sausage is, is how, how I define it, rather than the size more than anything else. Yeah. The other thing I found was in New York when I went there, this was I found this strange. I initially felt more of a foreigner in New York where everyone spoke English than I did when I've been to European cities where it's very obvious that I'm the only one who speaks English, struggles to communicate, and I felt more of a foreigner there. And I don't know whether that's indicative of sort of that I've got more of a European leaning. I'm more familiar with European culture than American culture, even though I expected at first to be able to deal with American more easily. I, I can totally agree with that. I, I had um, a moment where I was trying to explain something to someone and I was just speaking in my normal accent with English words. Basically, I was saying, can you take me to City Hall? And I repeated myself ten times. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only then when I actually did a mock American accent, City Hall, that he actually understood what I was saying. Really? <laughs> did you say it like that? I did. I like said... City. Uh, City Hall, please. What? City Hall, please. What? City Hall, please. Where? City Hall. <laughs> oh, City Hall. <laughs> it was just like that. I also had another one where... Well, we were trying to find somewhere to buy a CD from. And uh, I said to this guy in a very British way, excuse me, can you tell me if there are any record stores nearby? <laughs> <laughs> record? Record. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like the same word, does it? No. It was the little things I noticed that sort of didn't throw me, but like, you know, when you go to an airport in Europe, yeah. everything is in English and then in French. Yeah. Isn't it? Generally speaking. Yeah. New York Airport, even though I expected it to be sort of a primarily transatlantic travel, and maybe the further south ones would have more Spanish, everything was in English and then Spanish. Mm. And I just found it just threw me a little bit. So, and then I was like, oh yeah, so there's a lot of Spanish speaking people in America, aren't they? Mm. The security was unbelievable, taking my fingerprints when you go through customs into America. I felt quite intimidated in the, uh, in the airport. Really? Yeah. The police were sort of. Get in line and really sort of demanding. And then everything was like, take a, a photograph of you and fingerprints yeah. and all that. Even at the tourist attractions, like going to the Statue of Liberty, it was like going through departures at an airport. Mm. It was, you line up outside, then you have your bag taken off, and you get it searched, and then you go through the metal detector again, and then you get frisked as you go through. And it's just obviously... Did you enjoy could, that? I did, actually. <laughs> Big, strong hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can understand the reasons for it, but it didn't hit me about how strict they obviously need to be until I got there. And it, I just found that bizarre. Yeah, so subtle differences that you wouldn't expect that that can make you feel like an alien. So you've been to New York. Yeah. Where would you go next? Well, there's talk among my extended family that we will be hiring a villa at some point in Florida, mm. which is obviously sort of. I don't know, after probably New York, I would guess it's one of the biggest British tourist destinations in America. Definitely. Would you... Probably worldwide, I would guess. Would you go to Disneyland? Yeah, 
yeah, if I went to Florida, I'd want to do. I'd like to see. Can you know, punch Mickey in the nose for me? Yeah. He's expecting it. I will do. I'll I'll give him a call with him first. Before. Have you been to Disneyland? No. Something that I um that you told me in fact that sort of threw you is that you were in a clothes shop and you found it a little bit funny that the attendant, without any sense of irony whatsoever, said, what up, dog? <laughs> and I find that amusing as well. <laughs> Blokes wanted to hit on my wife because she had a, a sexy accent. By that, you mean British? Yeah. Really? That's surprising, that. But then I got that. Really? There was a group of girls I... that went went all giggly when I said I'd take did their photo feel, for them. Did you feel like that bloke in um, Love Actually when he goes into the bar? Yes. <laughs> I'm British. Where are the women? <laughs> <laughs> the, that's another thing, actually. Although I felt more of an alien in New York than I have done in European countries, I expected to be treated in a sort of like, oh, you're from, from England sort of way. But there's that many people from that many different countries in New York that I didn't really hear that many New York accents a lot because there were, it was just one of hundreds of types of accents from people mm. all over the world. You kind of think of the Italian-American accent, don't you, when you think of Yeah, the... I was thinking of, like, Tony Soprano. Yeah. Although he's technically from New Jersey, I suppose. One little town we went to, that we were just a tiny little detour, and we went and we bought a sandwich from a deli. That was nice, actually. Their deli sandwiches were great. And um, they were like, how did you end up in our town? They probably haven't seen anyone who wasn't born in that town for about 20 years or something. So it was just really surprising for them. And we were just like, yeah, we just wanted to see what it was like. And that, that was the best part of the road trip, really. And there was one motel we stayed at where the was owned by this couple. And the man was from Birmingham originally. Birmingham, Alabama? <laughs> no. <laughs> Brummy. <laughs> he didn't sound like he was from Birmingham, but he did still sound British. However, he referred to the interstate and what route are you taking and things really? like that. Really? That must have sounded bizarre. Um, but then he nipped upstairs and came down with a, a bar of Cadbury's chocolate for us, which, wow. is, which is nice. Something that I read a while ago, actually, that I found interesting. It was like a question and answer thing. You know, in the back of the Sunday papers, you get these, what time did this happen? Like a general trivia thing. The thing was... Obviously, British people and American people at one time were essentially the same people, and then British people went over and colonised America. And then we obviously broke up after some minor disagreement. <laughs> Which it doesn't matter who won and who lost. It's, <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> and the question was, at what point did they start speaking with American accents? Okay. And the answer from this, this sort of linguist anthropologist, her answer was that it's far more likely that we are the ones who changed our accents because as they went away to the colonies, they would have tried as much as possible to continue speaking like the home country in order to retain those links initially. And as they were sort of thousands of miles away, our language would have evolved differently. So it's far more likely that in those days, the English accent was more like the American one. And it's us that sort of changed further down the line. It's an interesting twist on it, but it's bollocks. All right, okay. <laughs> Spencer Vale versus qualified linguist anthropologist. Yeah, my opinion is that it would happen when everyone came over to get the bits of land from various different countries, not just England. So you'd got the Dutch and you'd got the Irish and you'd got the Italians and, and you, then you'd got Mexicans and people and it was all thrown in as a mixed bag and it started and then it evolved into a generic sound rather than 
one type of accident evolving. Yeah. And I think the one that she was probably referring to most would have to be the sort of New England area where the mainly British colonies would have been. Right, okay. Not the whole of America, obviously, because that, to be fair, took a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I retract my initial statement. No, I think it's a valid point, and you expressed it beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, this isn't about America as such, but obviously we're in the midst of a presidential election at the moment. Yeah. And I'm finding this year, more than any other year, obviously it's important to the world that we find out who the American president ultimately turns out to be, and possibly towards the end of it, who the main candidates are and how they're doing. But this year, it feels like we've had more input on more rounds of the elections than ever before. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a period where it's been reported in such detail in this country, the run-up for who's deciding the party candidates, not the actual presidential election. Yeah. And is that because there's more emphasis on who leads America now? Or is it purely because, really, the chances are there's getting, there might be the first woman president or the first black president, and you can't really report on who's running for the Democrat Party without reporting it for the Republicans as well? I think sort so. Of, and it's that balance in journalistic balance has sort of gone a bit too far because of the initial interest in that part of the story. Yeah, but I do actually have to admit that I do care more about whether we get a British winner of Eurovision again. So right. do I. Rather than whether we get a black or female president of the United States of America. And do you know why I think that is? And why? it's not because I'm sort of nonchalant and don't care, but it's because I don't care. <laughs> but, and by that, I don't mean that I think it's of no importance. What I mean is that I've got absolutely no control over it whatsoever. Yes. So at the end of the day, let me know who's won. That's fine. I'll be able to refer to who's the American president now. And obviously that will in some way affect British policy, as it always does. Yeah. But that is really the extent of my interest of it. Whereas... A UK winner of Eurovision is going to have massive repercussions. I'm one man, but I could make all the difference with my vote. Well, you could with your song that you're going to enter. Exactly. I think I might enter this year. I need to enter because something needs to be done. We'll talk about that maybe some other time, but yeah. I, I think it's worth noting. It's worth noting that, you know, Eurovision, for me, can't come round soon enough. <laughs> and it won't. <laughs> It will. It will come back. It will come around soon enough. And um, as last year, I'll be doing a blog with my thoughts, meanderings and opinions, some of which are ranting, some of which are sensible about the Eurovision and its entries and entrance. Just to um, take it from the flip side, then, you American listeners out there, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what your opinions are of us talking about Eurovision so much. But what do you think of that as a competition? Do you even know what we're babbling on about? That would be brilliant. Any input, please put it on the website. We always welcome your contributions on our MySpace or our Facebook, Facebook. group. You once said that there was potentially going to be an America vision. This is what I heard after last year's. I think there was talk that America would be buying the rights from EBL, European Broadcasting Association. And um, they're going to buy the rights to the format of the competition. And they were going to do a sort of American Europe... Would it be America Vision? I think so. An America Vision competition where they have candidates from each state and then at the end of it they compete. And obviously it would have to be a more of a drawn out competition. Because mind you, let me think about it. There's, what, 50 American states, are there? Yes. And at the minute there's around 50-odd countries that enter Eurovision. In 
two semi-finals. And now this year there's going to be two semi-finals in the final. So I don't know if they'd have a sort of elimination process. They'd have to have some... I don't know what format exactly you would take. Probably a similar sort of semi-final competition thing. But what are your thoughts on that, Americans? Yeah. Sorry, that sounded a bit aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> you Americans. It's not an insult. <laughs> yeah, if you take it as an insult, well, that's just chip on your shoulder. French fry on your shoulder. <laughs> but surely you can't... It won't be the same because you can't say nul pois. What's the point of it then? Royaume-Uni. You wouldn't even have that because they wouldn't be in it. But... You wouldn't have anything in French. That's the point of Eurovision, though. It needs to be in English and French. Although, English and French is increasingly becoming redundant in Eurovision, isn't it? As we all know, it's going very Balkan. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about this in more depth nearer the time. And we did last year. <laughs> we did last year, and I'm sure I will be talking about nothing else over May. You've got your stereotypes of America that we think we know what it's like, but they're obviously mainly from, I would guess, the east and west coast, because they're the main sort of um, cultural centres that we have reported over here. And then you've got your stereotype of, you know, a, a cowboy from somewhere in the middle, and, I don't know, a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, I know... You know nothing about no, America. I know about I know about America, but it's like, we only really know anything. We don't get much from the middle bit, do we? Maybe we do, we just don't realise. Or maybe we do, yeah. Possibly we do and don't realise. My American geography is terrible. We certainly don't get much from Alaska or Hawaii. No. I mean, everything we know from Hawaii is from Magnum. (laughs) And everything we know about Alaska is from Northern Exposure. Wasn't that set in Canada? No, it was Alaska. Was it? Yeah. See, again, misinformed. Why is Alaska not joined? Ah, now, because it originally belonged to Russia. And then the American government... Um, I believe at some point in the 19th century, bought it off the Russian government, which is why it doesn't actually directly link uh, onto it. It, it just That's goes it. to show that most of our knowledge, though, even though we've both visited, our knowledge is all from TV and film. Yeah. And that's why you think aliens are as much a part of America. <laughs> that's why I'm convinced. I, on a similar theme, when I think of outer space and I think of the dawn of time and the universe that's out there and anything that's not been touched by humans ever, I think of America. And that's not because of NASA and their space exploration. And it's not because of Aliens, the film. It's just things like films in general, just science fiction movies and looking at space and looking up and seeing the stars. Even the the film company Orion, which has an opening title where all the stars from the constellation Orion turn around in a circle and make the <laughs> O of the word. You know, makes me think of... It makes me think you don't see much by Orion anymore, do you? No, they must have been taken over. But Ledger, that. Oh, Orion. I don't know what you mean. Any time I think of undiscovered places, like, as you said, looking up at the stars, or looking at a wilderness, or looking at a natural, untouched place, I imagine Morgan Freeman doing the voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to try and do a Morgan Freeman impression, weren't you? No! <laughs> didn't like that <laughs> <laughs> and that's it but it's, it's not because other countries don't do any exploration i'm sure they do it's because these films require a big budget and the biggest budget english language center of films is hollywood and obviously it's going to be america centric yeah and growing up i saw et and close encounters of the third kind and i just thought of america it's just a it's just a subconscious link really well, it's a conscious link now, but I, I don't, I can't attribute it to anything but that. 
Do you know what? This is actually. I want to. I want to turn this on its head. We've discussed our views and experiences of America. Are how accurate are our preconceptions about American preconceptions of Britain? Because I've heard loads of stories of the sort of stereotypical stupid American, like someone went to America and the American guy when he heard him speak said, "Oh, you speak English." It's like, how true is that? Because everyone's got a story like that that they've heard. Yeah, and every nation has stupidity. Exactly. So it's like, do the does is there a sort of preconception in America that we all live on one big street drinking tea, popping around to the Queen's house? I think a lot of people know of London because it's comparable to some of the larger American cities. Yep. But they're not so aware of the rest of Britain. Other than maybe the cliches of little villages with reverends drinking tea and Scotland with their kilt playing bagpipes, but but generally speaking, it's not attributed to any one town or anything like that. It's just a generic English village. Yeah, which could be down the road from London, as far as they know. Yeah, and I suppose the other problem is that a lot of the places in America are obviously named after British places, so they will hear the name like Birmingham, or I'm sure there's a Manchester in America somewhere, and immediately think of the American town rather than its namesake. I mean, I wonder how many people in New York realise that it's named after York or even know that York exists. Possibly not. Or have even pondered why it's called New York. They probably think that Nottingham's fictional and Robin Hood. Now, this is interesting. I saw an article in the paper the other day that something like 30% of people think that Winston Churchill is a fictional character. (laughs) Seriously, they think he's like a Robin Hood figure. Brilliant. 